Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. Thanks for joining us today for another exciting episode. We have a repeat clinical expert guest with us. I would say he's probably our third host by this point. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Chris, you want to introduce yourself to all our listeners again? This is Chris from Blue Ash uh, and Oakley here again today to talk about strength. Yeah. So we recently, uh, we kind of had this little internal email share going on. Um, Chris found a uh, article that really struck a nerve with him. He got super <laughs> excited about, and uh, we frequently do this within our practice. We're sharing information. We're sending out stuff uh, clinically to each other, and um, yeah, Chris sound, uh, found this article, and uh, it was really interesting. Um, you know, Chris has been our guest before on a couple different topics, but one especially on strength, topic that's near and dear. So. <laughs> You want to give our uh, our listeners, maybe didn't hear the first episode, Chris, just a two or three minute uh, explanation about what you're doing with strength in the clinic sure. and how you're using it? Um, yeah, so I am uh, in the process of becoming a uh, certified barbell coach through the organization Starting Strength. Uh, they're out of Texas. Um, there are books. They do um, in-person seminars. There are franchise gyms opening up around the country just within probably the last year. Uh, but their emphasis is barbells and barbells done correctly. And they actually have, so among their coaches, there are a few PTs. And I've looked at a lot of their videos and read a lot of their articles and some of their content. And it's just really cool to see how they are incorporating barbells and strength training into the clinical setting. And so it just really resonated with me. And I think there's such value. And so I've been pursuing that for the last six, eight, ten months or so, um, and I've just really found it to be uh, important and beneficial in the clinic. I think strength is such an important part of what we do. And I guess, quite honestly, I feel like there is a gap in the general education for PTs and general clinicians understanding what strength is and the best way to acquire it. And so many of our patients present with deficits in strength and so we need to understand how to fix that for them so this stuff just like i said really resonated with me and i think it's probably about as valuable as anything i have learned both in school and since graduating Mm -hmm. so what is strength that sounds just like such a broad and like we might open pandora's box here sure sure so that's an excellent deep does strength go because you have to define it before you can try to you know accomplish it or provide it or create it or Or acquire it what does strength mean to you strength is the production of force against an external resistance oh is that the dictionary that's (laughs) that's what strength is that webster oh yeah. Well, Chris did, did a, he did a great job uh, presenting internally at our Con Ed conference we had um, back in the winter. And, um, you know, I think that um, patients listening to it, they may not have heard that you're using barbells, mm-hmm. right? And so I think there's kind of this maybe natural inclination like, oh, PT patients can't use barbells. <laughs> they're hurt. They're injured. They're, right, they're too right. weak. Barbells are going to hurt them. That's too right, much, right? right? So I think that's maybe – one of the stigmas we're trying to like sure, take sure. down, right? Yeah, the the barbell is the most ergonomic implement you can use to lift. It allows a very heavy weight 
or a lightweight to be loaded directly over the middle of your foot, which is your center of balance. Keep it close to your center of gravity. It can be loaded and gripped in the hands. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely ergonomic from that uh, perspective. And I, I use this example a lot of times when you know, patients are somewhat fearful of something like a deadlift where they pick the bar up off the floor, right? They think nothing of lifting up a box or a bag of dog food or a bag of mulch or a grandchild off the floor, but you put a bar down in front of them, probably lighter than this other thing they lifted. And they're like, Ooh, gosh, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Think function. Right. right, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's, it's, it's about, you know, using a very specific process to, to teach the patient how to do it correctly, mm-hmm. starting with a load that's appropriate for them. And, you know, I, I can say without exception, nobody has hurt themselves with mm-hmm. the barbell stuff that I've done with them in the clinic. And I think, you know, if you would have asked them prior to doing it, they would have had some reservations. And, yeah. and, and that's that's fair. Sure. Um, but again, I think having a very specific, um, you know, methodical way that you show them how to do it, you teach them and you give them feedback as they're doing it I think they feel very safe you know they've got eyes on them the whole time and you know they're being instructed step by step how to do it and so and you know to your point you know about something like the deadlift being very functional I say a lot right my criticism of a lot of the traditional PT exercises the low level stuff that we start with you know you're on the table you're doing pelvic tilts and you're doing things like that it looks nothing like real life even bridges which I still use and you know, I'm sure everybody, a lot of PTs and students listening to this, the bridge is not a bad exercise, but it doesn't really look like much of real life. You know, yeah. how does a bridge or how does a pelvic tilt translate into bending over and picking that thing up off the floor that you're going to do, whether I show you how to do it or not, you know, you're going to do it anyway. So I think a lot of times that's where the gap is in what we do. And so that's why I, you know, I, I use that. I tell patients like this is, you're going to do this when you leave here. I promise you'll bend over and pick something up today. Right. And so you'll have a little bit better understanding of the the most efficient way to do it, whether it's a barbell or that, you know, that grandchild, that bag of dog food, whatever it is. Well, I think it's important. I mean, a lot of what we do with patients is taking down fear and anxiety. Absolutely. I mean, think about someone who just had a knee replacement. Sure. And then you're telling them, okay, you're going to walk without your walker or without your crutch or without your cane. That's a very fearful proposition to that patient Mm -hmm. who thinks, is my leg going to hold me? Can I put support on it? So, you know, it's very, it's a, it's a theme, I think, that's consistent with what we do. Sure. Um, I think it's just another um, example of how we're kind of pushing the envelope to say and look critically at everything we are doing. And yeah. Is, is everything we're doing for patients the absolute best thing we can be doing? Or is there a better, more efficient way? So. Yeah. I use that, I use that logic all the time with patients talking about, you know, their physical capacity for you know bending over and picking something up right if they're only able to do let's say their max capacity prior to training is 50 pounds they're probably encountering quite a bit of stuff in everyday life that's very close to that limit and so their risk for injury with that you know kind of working towards that you know red line so to speak frequently that increases their risk for injury so if we can build their strength in a very specific movement like the deadlift, yeah, and they can deadlift 100 or 150 or 185. Which, and these are not astronomical numbers. These are numbers that just about anybody walking in this clinic can do with a little time and effort. You know, if you've got the capacity for 185 pounds, what are you encountering in everyday life that's 185 pounds? Nothing, right? Sure. It becomes a much smaller percentage of your capacity. And so the, the, the stress on your tissues and your back is much lower. It's again, a lower percentage of what yeah. you're capable of. And so the risk becomes so much lower. And that's where I think it just has such value. And I, I, I do, I think a lot of people with, you know, kind of your non-specific 
for your overuse kinds of injuries, it boils down to tolerance, right? They're, they're meeting or exceeding that tolerance on a regular basis. They're not recovering adequately and they're in this, you know, chronic condition of pain. And so building that tissue tolerance, I think is a great way out of that pain. Well, I think it, it's a good lead-in um, to the article that really struck the nerve, which <laughs> we will uh, we will share the article. The nerve uh, is nice easy to, to strike <laughs> in, in the in the episode notes for you, but um, I'll give you a, I'll give you a little summary, and I'll try to keep Chris's blood from boiling here. So, um, ba- basically, it was an article looking at shoulder pain, and the end result um, or conclusion of the article was that strengthening doesn't help shoulder pain. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, the, the, it was a 16 week, 16 week strengthening program. A, the, the point of the article was to assess whether strengthening could help, you know, alleviate shoulder pain. And after 16 weeks, the you know the two groups they were no different. The conclusion was that strengthening doesn't help and doesn't doesn't address or alleviate shoulder pain. Let me stop you there for just a second <laughs> before because he goes. I, I think it's an important lesson. I think this is really at the heart, um, one of the reasons why we wanted to record this episode, I think, to the students out there and, and to our other clinicians out there listening. Um, if you only read the conclusion of all the articles and you never skip into that, you know, all those words in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's right. That talk about how the study was done or mm-hmm. what was done. Um, you can draw some improper conclusions. Absolutely. And I think that's that's really what uh, kind of what you did. So give, yeah. a, little, give a little background here. Uh, so, yeah, so, the, you know, the article, um, uh, the conclusion was strength didn't help. And if you look in the data, they didn't make anybody any stronger. In the strengthening group, the increase in, it was, they were looking at shoulder abduction strength, you know, it didn't increase over 16 weeks it didn't get any they didn't get any stronger so you didn't strengthen they were just doing the exercises that are strengthening exercises but they didn't see any results in the strength is what you're saying correct okay. so i don't remember i don't i don't know that they listed specifically what exercises were, were resistance, used resistance exercises of course they, they were exercises geared towards i mean it was laid out as a 16 week strengthening program for the shoulder and again, I don't know that the exact exercises were listed. I believe they use some bands and probably some weights, um, you know, but the point is after 16 weeks and their graph is they got a graph, you know, comparing, you know, your control group and your experimental group from week one to week 16. Mm-hmm. And both lines are basically flat and very close together. They didn't get stronger. And so it's really um inaccurate in my opinion to draw the conclusion that strength didn't help they didn't get stronger (laughs) yeah right it didn't get stronger and the really frustrating part for me and the part that really struck the nerve is how are these people putting together a study and putting together a six-week strengthening program and not getting people stronger Hmm. they clearly don't understand how to strengthen people they don't whatever they're using for the strengthening program is not effective and so you know, I would assume these are PTs, they're researchers, they're writing articles, whatever they think is strengthening isn't working. It doesn't work. I would assume they use this in their practice if they have a practice. So that's kind of the scary, frustrating part to me. These are people that you would expect know how to strengthen a shoulder. Was it anything like the honor system? Like they expected these patients, like go off in that corner, do these exercises, you'll be strengthened. And they just report back like, well, yep, that's, did a, them. that's a fair point. Certainly a fair point. Um, there was some in-clinic instruction. There was some home, you know. Homework. Some homework, yeah. yeah, some, you know, home program. But I think that doesn't, 
I don't care as much about that. The fact that they looked at the results and said there's there's a flat line looking at shoulder abduction strength, strengthening didn't work. How could you call that strengthening? Yeah. It didn't change. Right. It did not change over 16 weeks. So that's the more frustrating part for right. me. You got and and who knows why, but you know, you got to step back and look and say, well, we really can't conclude that strengthening didn't work because we can't objectively show Anybody that they got actually stronger. got stronger. Okay. And, you know, it, it goes through the peer review process and passes through how many eyes and how many people's mm -hmm. hands and the thing gets published. I just that just is baffling to me. Right. And I, again, I think speaks to the bigger problem that that 16 week program was not effective. And so I would question whether these particular clinicians even know how to strengthen anybody, you know, give them a hip, give them a knee, you know, <laughs> give them a whatever, make the muscles around that thing stronger. Could they do it? Yeah. I don't know. And if you couldn't tell. If they're not using a barbell, they probably aren't. Well, I think there's, <laughs> I think what you're bringing up really at the heart of it is dosage, you know, and we talk all the time about exercise dosage. Sure. And I think um, largely um, patients get underdosed. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, absolutely. kind of put it into a medical frame, um, you know, if you needed an antibiotic and say you needed 10 days to treat your infection and you took three days, you can't expect the same results. Sure, sure. You know, so we're very good at dosage of medication. We're very good at dosage of a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. And I think some aren't very good at dosage of exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of at the heart of what really needs to be looked at. Yeah. Um, and just give give maybe an example. I know you talked a lot about um, you know deadlift, and you talked a lot about the barbell. We're talking about shoulders here. Mm -hmm. um, if you were going to strengthen shoulders in the clinic, I know you're doing some things with straps and mm -hmm. barbells mm -hmm. and things like that. What does that look like to, to patients? So the movement that I use a lot um, is a modified overhead press. Mm -hmm. um, we have TRX straps in the clinic. I will start with a dowel rod in the TRX strap. And so essentially what the patient does is the, you know, the, the rod is in both straps, they straighten their elbows, they walk forward and the, the strap sort of gives them this arcing motion up overhead. And we use that as just range of motion at first. And this a lot of times, like the range of motion piece is very relevant for like your post-op shoulders and, you know, it's a little more active way to get some elevation. So you can use that to kind of get the motion overhead first. So the straps are, just to be clear, the straps are guiding the motion. They're exactly. The straps are stability, anchored. keeping them yes. on the right track or path if you will. exactly the okay. straps are anchored to the wall and then so once you get them up overhead then you can from there you can lower into a pressing motion right and right. so the a lot of times a standard shoulder press is going to be most painful for a painful shoulder it's going to be most painful in the bottom position when you're trying to initiate the lift off of kind of the shoulder the shoulder level um, and so by using the straps, you walk the weight up overhead. You can begin from the top where it's much less painful and you can work through the range that you have without significant pain. And then of course the goal is to work that range down to basically the height of your chin or just below your chin. And then, you know, you can do that with a, a broomstick. Then you just gradually add a little bit of weight to that. Yeah. I'll use the example of a patient I had in here. She was 71. She was post-op rotator cuff. Um, now, she came for a while. Her doctor was really, you know, wanted to make sure that she was completely recovered and strong. And I thought she was about ready for discharge, and he sent her back for another four weeks. So I said, well, by God, we're going to keep working. And we discharged her. She was pressing 50 pounds overhead, five sets of three, 
with the bar in the straps. And this is a 71-year-old woman after a rotator cuff surgery. And this is not – she's not any kind of a bodybuilder, weightlifter, powerlifter. none of that in her history. She's just a, you know, a, a wife, a grandmother, you know, mom yeah. trying to stay fit. And, you know, no history of being crazy strong. And that's – I guess that's the point I made earlier. These are not astronomical numbers. Sure. These are numbers that are very attainable with a methodical approach to – improving strength and so yeah we started her with a stick and then we added some little baby ankle weights on it and we had her pressing it and we just added a little bit every time she came in and you know she was very consistent coming in twice a week and we finished 50 pounds which is a weight that i don't think she'd ever pressed over her head sure you know and so she's got an old rotator cuff surgery on the right the new one was on the left and you know she did fantastic. And I told her, I said, you need to go back into that surgeon and offer to arm wrestle and to show him how strong <laughs> yeah. you are. You know, because I, I don't think I don't think there's very many post-op rotator cuffs, I don't care what age, that leave therapy pressing 50 pounds overhead. And that would be a person that if you graphed her shoulder strength over 16 weeks, you would have seen an improvement. Yeah. So, you know, it's just it's just black and white. I don't it's not that complicated. I just think that I think clinicians are are um it's the it's the fear of the unknown. They're not familiar with the barbell. They've maybe not seen how to use it or how to instruct the lifts correctly or not seen modifications. So if the standard overhead press isn't isn't viable, how do you do it with you know with the bar? I've got a patient in the Oakley Clinic who had um, surgery on both shoulders. It was a fairly traumatic uh, situation, and he has lost about that last maybe 15, 20 degrees of overhead motion. So. He can press. He just presses in the straps, and it allows him to have that diagonal path and, you know, get the advantage of doing some overhead work without having to go purely vertical. Well, so. I, think that's the, I think that's the really details that, as a skilled clinician and in our offices we offer versus just saying, hey, go out into the gym and do some overhead presses, and your shoulder pain's all going to go away. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I think There's that There's a whole bunch of ways to do it wrong. Yeah, yeah. that attention to detail – I think the the weeks leading up to where your rotator cuff patient was able to get into the straps yes. from a range of motion yes. standpoint, I think that um, you know the the coaching and guidance that you're offering along the way to avoid different things and changing the variables of resistance. That's mm-hmm. really that's where the skill comes in, mm-hmm. and I think that's the difference. So um, you know we're not trying to say for anyone that that hurts in their shoulder, just go out and start doing overhead presses and it's all <laughs> going to get better, right? But you can apply strength, and it can make a difference. Absolutely, as long yeah. as you're getting stronger. <laughs> right, as long as you're actually getting stronger. I mean, how many times do you you know you hear you know, three reps? Right, I feel like a lot of PTs like it's not ten, it's not fifteen. Like, what what do you mean three reps? That's not enough. Yeah, and it's all about the load. And to your point, like we worked our way up to fifty pounds. I think that's the right. other that's the other you know maybe misconception is that it's going to be heavy on your very first day. Of course not. Sure. It's gonna we're gonna meet you where you are in terms exactly. of your capability yeah. and then we're gonna add a little bit to that. Exactly. And I say it all the time to patients, all we need to find is a starting point. You know, what yeah. can you tolerate? Do you have the flexibility to do a deadlift? Can you do the overhead press? You know, can you squat? Do you have can you get into those positions to make the movement viable for you? Yeah. And if you can all we got to do is figure out what weight you can start with, and we just add a little bit every time you come in. Yeah. And because you are alive, you will adapt to that stress. And if we apply it correctly, it, it <laughs> the line isn't flat, it goes up. Well, I think that's an important message. So, you know, our listeners um, know and readily hear me mention direct access. There it is. 
And, uh, you know, you have direct access to come into physical therapy. And so if you're having an issue, if you're having pain, if you feel like there's no way I can lift my dog food up because X, Y, or Z fill in the blank, that's a situation we can help with. If you can't get into the positions, we can do things to prepare you to get into the positions. And then once you can, to your point, Chris, we can start with no weight. Mm-hmm. And you can build up over time. Go so hope is not lost. That's the right. biggest message, you know. Yeah, I've had I've had patients that I think I may have mentioned on a previous podcast. This woman, you know, she's in her late fifties, and basically the message that she's getting from her doctor is, "Yeah, this is how your back's going to be. Sorry, this is just you know this is your lot in life now." And she's <laughs> like, I, "You know, I can't play with my grandkids. I can't get on the floor. I can't bend over. I can't lift That's stuff. I can't depressing. carry them." Yeah, and so I told her, I said, "That's absolutely not what this has to be. This doesn't have to be that way for you." You know, so yeah, we got her and I, the, you know, at the time we didn't have a barbell in the clinic, but I had kind of a makeshift setup and she, you know, deadlifted 50 pounds with our makeshift setup five times. And she set that weight down and look on her face was like, oh, wow, like I'm not broken. Yeah. My Aww. back's not going to crumble, you know, and it, you just can't replace that, you know, the confidence. value. Yeah. And in, in providing sure. that confidence. Well, I really appreciate you being our guest again, sharing the information. Yeah, sure. you have, couldn't tell uh, everybody. Chris is very passionate about these things. You invite and we me back anytime. Him. I will <laughs> talk strength and barbells anytime. <laughs> I will gladly do that. Well, awesome. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll be talking to you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com, and you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!